It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. I planned the subject matter for this episode a while back, and it feels very, very timely, even though I couldn't have possibly predicted how timely this would be. And it's also interesting because the topic for today is about Stress Awareness Month, which happens every April. And man, does this month feel like a lot of stress in 2020, given that we are dealing with a pandemic, a world health crisis. I think someone missed the memo on April and decided to start Stress Awareness Month in March because, uh, boy, it has been it has been quite the interesting emotional and spiritual roller coaster, to say the least. Yes, it has. <laughs> So first, let's begin talking about what Stress Awareness Month is, and we can share how we've been managing our stress and tips, why people are feeling stress, whatever we want to dive into. Well, I think it's been, for me, an interesting, not just a day-to-day experience, but a moment-to-moment inventory of my emotional state. And I think it's just, it's just really interesting to, to notice you know, how we are responding moment to moment rather than thinking we need to be a certain way or stay positive or stay up. I think for me, you know, in terms of managing stress, a huge component of that is just being present to the um, the emotions we're, we're facing, you know, moment to moment. Absolutely. So I pulled up stressawarenessmonth.com, which we will link to, you know what, it's um not the greatest website, I must say. Don't link it then. There's We're not no linking link. it. Never mind. <laughs> you could still go to it, but uh, it's really interesting. Maybe they're still working on it because it's like one blog post on here. But I'll, I'll read this anyways. Maybe it'll be useful. I pulled up a bunch of websites. And as usual, we we don't like to over-prepare with this might get uncomfortable because we uh, we want to keep everything very organic. Well, we also <laughs> like if- to make ourselves extremely uncomfortable as your hosts. Yep. So by diving into subject matter that we haven't necessarily uh, prepared, uh, we also get to be uncomfortable in real time with you. <laughs> Got to practice what we preach. Pra- practice what we pod. Well, because you know, part of that is I feel like there it can be stress in preparation, right? Sometimes just trying to prepare for something causes a lot of unnecessary stress. And so part of the reason that we don't overly prepare is is to reduce our own stress and make it feel less, what would be the term, Jason? Like, Scripted, structured, yeah. phoned in. Right, right. Yeah. I, I personally don't really like listening to overly structured podcasts. I much prefer listening to podcasts that flow and just feel really conversational and off the as you might say, that sounds like a very Jason Robel phrase. Off the cuff would definitely be something I would say. <laughs> okay, anyways. So according to stressawarenessmonth.com, this this is the official website with just one blog post of this of the time that we're recording this. So it's a annual 30-day period where healthcare professionals and health promotion experts, ooh, I guess we could call ourselves health promotion experts, Jason. Mm, no? We, we could. We could. <laughs> we could. You don't uh, like that phrase, that term? Mm, no? Health some, promotion 
oh, experts. It sounds so clunky. Hi, I'm uh, Jason. This is Whitney. We are health promotion experts. It's not something I would put on a business card. <laughs> oh, fine, fine. Okay. Well, that's basically what we are, though. Let's be honest. Full of the and word experts. Remember the previous that's episode? That's true. We will link to that in the show notes. So Careful. if you didn't know this, if you didn't know this, every episode we have show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com in the podcast section. You can go and learn more, go down the rabbit hole as we often do. And uh, we'll link to this as well as um, that episode Jason referred to. So anyways, this month is um, sponsored by a nonprofit health organization, and it's a national cooperative effort to inform people about the dangers of stress, give them successful coping strategies, and address harmful misconceptions about stress that are prevalent in our society. And we still have a long way to go, says a doctor that they interviewed for this, and they're really working collectively. So I should say we are working collectively on helping millions of Americans eliminate their suffering, which is a big mission of ours actually with Wellevator is to reduce unnecessary suffering. And a lot of suffering is unnecessary. We are big advocates for finding as much peace as possible mentally, emotionally, and physically. And so I'm excited to dive into this. And I think it's incredibly important to talk about right now. Jason and I have actually been working on some new resources for you, which you will find at wellevator.com and in the show notes for this episode and a few others. What is the title of our new resource, Jason? You came up with it today and I really liked it. Oh, it's uh, From Chaos to Calm. Mm-hmm. Which I did find out is the title of a few books. Oh, is it? Okay, well, it's fine. You can't I, always be I, that original. I, I, I right? could go. I could go on a rant about how nothing's original, but I won't. I won't <laughs> save that for another podcast yep. episode. That is true. I was going to say that you know the whole thing though is is I think chaos seems to be the word that I I'm just seeing thrown thrown around a lot right now. You know the words chaos, uncertainty, anxiety, and stress seem to be for. Mm, not buzzwords, but I just keep reading more and more articles from um, mental health professionals and psychotherapists and wellness um, wellness coaches. And I think, how do we navigate times of chaos in our life? And, and certainly this one is, this time on the planet is one of worldwide chaos, it seems. But I believe that the practices, certainly that Whitney and I um, use in our own lives and that we've helped share with other people can be applied to any time of chaos in your life, not necessarily just a worldwide pandemic. That'd be a little bit weird, right? Just we've have a course just for worldwide pandemic. So when the next one comes in 15 years, you'll have a course ready for you. Like, right. <laughs> it's not that specific. Whatever resources that Whitney and I are, are sharing with you, dear listener, we always endeavor to have the meditations, the practices, and the mindful te- mindfulness techniques and the health resources we share to be applicable at any time you're feeling stressed or anxious or chaotic in your life. Absolutely. So we're going to offer up some tips today, just have a conversation about this as we always do. And I just pulled up a a really good article on Forbes.com. And again, this will be linked in the show notes. And maybe we'll include some of these tips in the ebook that we're working on. And this is from a contributor to Forbes named Brian Robinson. And he offers up 10 micro chillers to celebrate stress awareness. I like that term. Micro Micro chillers. Because he's saying it's, um, let's see, five minutes of chill is very important. And that can actually help. It says that studies have shown that just five minutes of chill a day has mental and physical benefits, keeping you centered, calm, and clear-minded. 
and you will have better sleep, increased immunity, lower blood pressure, improved digestion, and increased emotional well-being. Hmm. In five minutes, eh? Excellent. Yeah. Wow. I like this. Micro chill. chillers. <laughs> no, th- this is interesting because I've, I mean, you certainly heard of like max and relax or chillax. These are colloquialisms in our society, but I've never heard of like micro before. That's, yeah. this is fascinating. I like it. This is good. All right. Well, the number one tip from Brian is to remember to halt. When stress takes hold, stop and ask yourself if you are hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. Ooh, that's a good tip. Yeah, well, self-inquiry, right? It's like, mm-hmm. hey, can can you become present to what it is that you're actually wanting in that moment? Yes, absolutely. And I, I feel like being hungry can definitely cause stress. Jason has a tendency to get hangry. I do. Blood sugar drops and uh, the villagers start scattering. <laughs> Wait, the villagers? What do you I, mean? I imagine myself <laughs> as like... Frankenstein, like Frankenstein's monster, like mm, carbs. Mm, car-. And like, I get angry and the villagers just scatter, man. The monsters. But, the, but the, who are the villagers? I don't know. It's just a visual image. that Your animals? Yeah, like, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> your animals start running for cover. Well, I mean, there's no villagers right under- now because we, yeah, we're self-quarantined. So yes, the villagers would be the animals right now. <laughs> yes. Correct. Correct. And me too. Everybody um, run. When stress takes hold, ask yourself if you are angry. So I guess there's a difference between being hangry and anger. So separating hunger from anger, what would you be angry at that's causing you stress? It's always good to reflect on, right? Yeah. I mean, because it may or may not be food. It's always important. <laughs> so to I guess it's like crossing this out. Like, So if you rule out that being hungry is causing your anger, what else could cause you to feel angry? Hmm. It's so interesting when you think about anger, right? That's not an emotion that I feel that often if I really peel back the layers because I like to get really specific when I feel angry. Like a lot of the time it'll be feeling resentful, right? Or triggered by something, some old emotion. Right. That's very specific. Yeah. I don't really experience that much anger, but Jason, you certainly do. I know you talk about that very openly. So what when you peel back the layers, what is behind your anger? Well, I, I think this is an important opportunity to, to, to make a distinction because I think that sometimes I'm actually just frustrated or annoyed and not necessarily angry. So to me, there, there's, a, there's a definite difference between frustration, annoyance, and anger. And to me, I think it's levels of um, emotional charge or emotional mm, intensity behind those things, whereas... I think I feel frustration and annoyance or allow myself to, to be more honest about it. It's not an automatic thing. I'm allowing myself to be frustrated, allowing myself to be annoyed. But genuine anger, I think, is a lot more rare for me, like real, real anger. Right. And it's it's kind of like the word busy. <laughs> you know, like people throw around the word, I'm angry. And if you really stop to think about it, you can often find that anger is just kind of this blanket statement. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost much like busy if you will or or even love. Let's let's go there for a second that it's this all-encompassing giant word that people are trying to use to describe the nuances of many different kinds of emotions. But to your point Whitney, you know, I think people throw around, you know, I'm angry, I'm busy, uh I love this thing. Well, you know, it's People love their dog, their cat, their car, their brand new stainless steel trash can from Bed Bath & Beyond. I mean, it's, it's, too, it's too generalized. 
It's too Wait, generalized. Why? Can you pause? Why did you just get a new trash can? What made no, you bring that I, up? Well, I'm I'm <laughs> I'm in the kitchen right now recording this episode, and literally right next to me is a bulldog and a stainless steel trash can from Bed Bath and Beyond. Do I love my bulldog the same way I love my stainless steel trash can? Of course not. Those are different gradations and levels of intensity and focus with those kinds of love, right? It can't be the same. And I think anger is a little bit the same, you know you know, being frustrated, being irate, being annoyed, being, you know, angry. I, I think it's an opportunity for us as people to be more intentional and accurate with how we use language. Mm-hmm. And just as important as it is to really clear about our feelings of love, it's also important for us to become aware when we're, what we're actually feeling is fear, right? I mean, a lot of spiritual leaders say that life can kind of be summarized in feelings of love and feelings of fear. And that has really helped me out a lot because I can almost summarize most of my experiences to feeling love or feeling fear. And I feel like that must be the root of a lot of anger, right? And the next part of of halt, according to this author, is loneliness. And that's another thing that I hear you talk a lot about, Jason, is loneliness. And it's it's so interesting how some of these themes come up in our lives a lot. Like, And that's one of the things I like about our dynamic as friends and business partners is, is just seeing what other people go through on, on a really deep level. And for you, Jason, I, I noticed that you talk about loneliness quite frequently. But now you're in a period where you're less lonely, I think, right? Or is it not? Maybe actually, it's a really good time for me to ask you this. I'm going to put you on the spot, get a little uncomfortable. Because in some recent episodes, actually one of our most popular episodes in the past month has been one where you were talking about being single. And since we recorded that episode, you have been dating somebody for, what, three weeks now or something? And so it's really interesting how we haven't addressed this new person in your life. And I'm I'm curious, do you still feel like you're lonely even when you're dating somebody? Because right now, let's make it extra timely. If you're listening during or shortly after COVID-19 and this this big world health crisis, a lot of people have been experiencing loneliness because of the physical distancing that's happening. A lot of people are self-isolating or in quarantine. They're being forced to in some cases. Maybe they're sick or maybe they're trying to prevent getting sick. And so it's resulted in a lot of people spending time with themselves. If they're not with their family or they don't have a roommate or they don't have a romantic partner that they live with, a lot of people are completely by themselves. And so that loneliness is a huge factor. And imagine the, the amount of stress that people are experiencing right now. You know, they're already feeling maybe that fear, the uncertainty, but they're also coming up w- against a lot of loneliness. So with that said, Jason, since we are in the midst of this and you, you've been developing this relationship as this pandemic has been evolving. I'm curious, what has been your experience? And do you, again, coming down to it, do you still feel lonely even when you're in a romantic relationship of some sort? I have not been feeling lonely. Boy, I feel like I I need to give reasons perhaps. I, I don't know that I can. And I don't know that me not feeling lonely is a result of me dating someone new or being in a new relationship necessarily. Uh, 
I think, um, you know, if I'm tracking my feelings of loneliness, and we've mentioned this episode so many times, the, uh, the two-part ayahuasca journey that we shared previously, um, we'll put the links to both of those episodes in the show notes at wellevator.com. It's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R. There was something that pivoted in me after I had my ayahuasca journey. And I remember telling you about this, Whitney, that when I started dating again late last year in 2019, I remember that there was this tendency that I observed in myself previously to try and wow people or win their love or win their affection. I talk at length about that subconscious mechanism in the ayahuasca episodes. But as part of a larger conversation, I haven't felt as lonely since you know late last fall of 2019. And I think the medicine journey and a lot of the work I've been doing on myself has, has decreased those feelings of loneliness. I haven't felt lonely the way that I used to. I think for me, what I have been feeling though is a lot of anxiety. Like the, I don't know if the loneliness has been replaced by anxiety per se, but if there is an overwhelming emotion that I feel like I need to be looking at and am looking at, it's anxiety. I really don't feel so lonely, but I do feel a tremendous amount of anxiety, especially the last three to four days. Yeah. And that's interesting, especially as we've been developing this new PDF, which is also part of a program that Jason and I are working on. And what that's taken is an opportunity for each of us to reflect on our our experiences with anxiety. And it's so important to discuss. Would you say, Jason, that you could put your anxiety into any of these categories? So we've got those two overarching categories of love versus fear. In my opinion, if you had to put anxiety into a category, it would go into fear. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. 100%. And and specific fears. But in a general sense, yes, of course, in the fear category. But there are very specific things that are thought forms and beliefs that are feeding that fear. Right. And then we have these four categories that we just talked about. We actually haven't discussed the fourth one yet. But in this article that I'm reading right now on Forbes.com, this halt, hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And it's interesting, too, if if those are some of the micro categories here, anxiety could be, I wonder if it could be relieved with with kind of asking yourself, like, okay, are your basic needs being met first and foremost? So hunger is a basic need. And I think that's actually come up a lot for people recently. I mean, you look at where some of the major sources of chaos were stemming from. And it was surrounding food in this pandemic, right? People were going to the grocery store and it's still happening right now as of this recording. But but a few weeks ago, at the beginning, early March to mid-March, there was just so much fear and anxiety when it came to anything food related, whether it was purchasing food or it was dealing with the aftermath of eating and using toilet paper, right? I mean, it's just so interesting how the number one focus for people for a while, and and again, still going on, is do I have enough food? Is food going to run out? And going to the store and stockpiling all this food, right? That was kind of a big source of stress and anxiety for people. Yeah, I think overall, what what I'm observing, my belief is that this crisis is activating a deep uh, primal fight or flight response for a lot of people in wanting to make sure that their most basic needs are covered. You know, there's a part of our brain, I believe it's in the amygdala, don't quote me on that, I'm not a neuroscientist, but a part of our brain that's, you know, very ancient and very reptilian and very primal that when we are in times of perceived crisis, cortisol goes up, adrenaline goes up, 
we may not make the most rational or conscious decisions a la you know buying 50 cases of toilet paper which by the way saw an article that Costco is refusing to take returns on toilet paper so anybody who's got a stockpile ain't taking returns at Costco guys well hopefully they'll be able to donate it give it to people sell it perhaps <laughs> there's a lot of things that you could do beyond having to return it to the store but you know it is actually really interesting as a little side note and tangent just to see how stores have been reacting. I mean, really, there's a huge shift happening. I don't know if it's a temporary shift or a long-term shift. Some of it will be one or the other, right? I went to the grocery store yesterday, and they're not taking any returns, period. I mean, a lot of stores really? just can't. Yeah, well, they, they can't because they don't want you bringing things that you've had at home back into the store. Of course, of course, right. Right. And so that's an interesting situation. But some people may not even realize that you can actually return food to a grocery store. If you don't like something, if it's gone bad, if something's wrong with it, you can go back and get a refund instead of just throwing it out and wasting your money. But yeah, I mean, the grocery stores are changing every single day. Right now, we're recording this on March 30th, 2020, and stores are threatening to strike. The workers are upset with the situations. and. You know, you go into a grocery store and they're limiting how many people can go in there. I mean, it's really changed so much. And then people are now promoting the importance of growing your own food and supporting direct farmers. And it's kind of challenging or bringing more awareness to our food system and not to mention where this whole pandemic came from. I just watched a really great video that traced back to the Wuhan wet markets, right? And it's it's disturbing for me to watch that as a vegan because you see what these conditions these animals are living in and then, you know, ultimately being sold for food and it's so important for us to just think about where our food is coming from. And then if you are feeling stress and anxiety around your food, really rethinking how can you shift that, right? So first, it might be a financial concern, like, oh, food is expensive. Well, we have lots of resources. I, I put out a book ebook called Healthy Organic Vegan on a Budget that goes into lots of different advice on how to eat well without spending a lot of money. And Jason was actually in a video that I did around that same time. That was in 2013. We made this video. <laughs> classic. It's a that, classic. That was one of my favorite collaborations that we have ever done. If you haven't seen it yet, it's on YouTube. We'll link to it in the show notes at wellevator.com for this podcast episode. And it was called Extreme Vegan Couponing or something. What was it? No, Extreme, Extreme Vegan Cheapskate. Right. Right. Because it was a play on a show called Extreme Cheapskates. So we wanted to in interject or or not interject. We wanted to integrate the word vegan into that title. And it, it actually did pretty well on YouTube. And it's really fun. It was like a parody. We got some other vegan friends of ours. And we, we actually did a one-week challenge where Jason and I were challenged to eat for under $5 a day every day for a week. And we went up against another vegan couple to see who could spend the least amount of money on food. It was super fun, actually. That was fun. And yeah. it was a great opportunity to see how to shop differently and eat differently. And, and it taught me a lot. And then I used a lot of what I learned from that for my ebook, Healthy Organic Vegan on a Budget. So, you know, that can be a big source of stress. But as a little 
tip here, it, food doesn't have to be stressful. Sometimes you just have to rethink it. But during these times where scarcity might be a big fear, you can do things like purchasing more food and stockpiling as long as you're considerate of other people. And that was a huge issue weeks ago as people were just going to the store and loading up without realizing that they may be taking food away from other people. And now the grocery stores had to react by limiting. I went to the store called Sprouts yesterday and every single item in the store had a limit of you could only buy, I think, two of each item. Everything, even supplements, yep. protein, pot, everything. They had signs all around the store that you were only allowed to buy two of each item. And I thought that was actually really smart because a little bit before that, stores were only limiting certain things. Like they were limiting toilet paper purchases and limiting pasta and thing, you know, very shelf-stable foods. But there were other foods in the store that they weren't limiting. And I think that some stores reacted by saying, hey, you know what? We don't want anybody to hoard any food. <laughs> Certainly, you could just do multiple shopping trips and, and get more food that way, but it slows down the process of hoarding. So I think mindful hoarding and stockpiling is is key here too, right? Is just considering the ripple effect that we're all in this together and remembering that there are creative ways to support one another. I've seen some amazing things on TikTok, which is one of my favorite platforms for staying informed about what people are doing around the world. And people have been baking bread for one another and, you know, sealing them up in bags and distributing them on bikes around their neighborhoods, right? Or or people have been sharing fruit with one another from their fruit trees and just getting really creative. I think it's beautiful. And just to see how we're kind of going back to our roots as civilization. And like back in the day when people used to grow food in their gardens and share it with their communities, and we can start doing that again, I think that will actually reduce a lot of stress. And, and one of the biggest ways to reduce stress and anxiety is is to have more connection with your community. So why not do that when it comes to food? We cook food for people when they're sick or, or when they're pregnant or when they have lost a loved one. And it's really important for us to find creative ways to do that. Right now, it's a little bit more complicated given that we're kind of afraid to interact with one another. <laughs> so we have to find very sanitary ways to share food at the moment. Yeah, one of the best sites, I'm actually on it, I joined probably a month ago, uh, is Nextdoor. And the Nextdoor app is a way for people in in your immediate local community to share resources. So in fact, yesterday, one of the top posts here in, in my neighborhood in Los Angeles, someone was offering free fruit. They said, hey, we've got a bunch of fruit trees. We'll have it clean and sealed in plastic bags, which again, you know, not the most eco-friendly, but under the current circumstances, doing the best we can. And they said, just come on by and like, we'll have it like inside the front gate. And if you want to take a bag of fruit, just go ahead. And I thought that was so considerate and so sweet. And I believe it was, it was maybe even walking distance. I'll have to check the address again. But, um, but what you're saying, Whitney, of the self-reliance and the community sharing and the bartering system that isn't even relying on money or cash or financial transaction, I think it's just so wonderful. We see that at things like Burning Man and a lot of the festivals, you know, not exchanging actual money, but people bartering and sharing goods and services. And if we get back to that, I think that's one way that we could allay a lot of the financial anxieties that seem to be you know, really, really weighing on a lot of people right now. Absolutely. I thought you were actually going to bring up one of the websites that you can use to find or forage produce. And so I pulled up one of them. I don't know if this is the one that I had in mind, but this is certainly a really good one that's been around for years. And it, fingers crossed, it's still 
updated. It's called fallingfruit.org. That's the best. You know of it? Yeah, I've used it when I have taken road trips to the Pacific Northwest and different states in the past. When? Before you and I met. um, Oh. I remember going up to Oregon and going to Portland and foraging for food in Portland back in 2009. Yeah, it's cool. It's a cool website. It is really cool. And I I think this is the one that was up in my head at the moment. And I'm just looking right now to see what's in the neighborhood. <laughs> this is really funny, Ooh, actually. Fun. I want to do it too, actually. Yeah, the the um very f- <laughs> the very first one I clicked on was for a local grocery store, and it says dumpster in parentheses edible, and it actually lists a a grocery store that has a huge score of fresh produce year round. I don't know when this was listed because you can actually go in here and see when people added this. This was added in 2015, so five years ago. So who knows if it's still accurate. But that I mean, that's that's for people that are okay with dumpster diving. I don't know if this is a good time to go dumpster diving. But is that if, is that something you've ever done, Jason, or, or would do? I have done it. And? Uh, at the time. When did you do it and why? Okay, I did it because there was, what was the documentary that came out? This was maybe back in 2012. Oh, goodness. I cannot remember the name of the documentary, but it was a documentary about food waste and dumpster diving. And I also, here's the thing. I also had a bit of a inside information here because I used to work at Trader Joe's many, many, many years ago. I worked at the first Trader Joe's in Metro Detroit. And we donated Trader Joe's, I think has a corporate policy of donating a lot of food to local food banks. And I remember working at Trader Joe's and packing up a lot of the food from the food banks. But we also would throw away, depending on certain criteria, perfectly good, perfectly edible food in the dumpsters. So I remember going to Trader Joe's and uh, it was the Trader Joe's on the west side, like Sentinella-ish. I don't remember the exact street in LA. But yeah, they had perfectly good food, like loaves of bread that were maybe like a day old in the dumpster, perfectly packaged, not slimy and gross. I know maybe the listeners like, oh my God, you went dumpster diving. I did it once just as an experiment. And honestly, there was some really good stuff in there. There was shockingly good, perfectly fine, perfectly safe stuff that had gotten thrown away. It's really interesting. I mean, mean, now especially, it's probably going to shift a lot, not just in whether people are doing it, but I wonder if they're going to start like locking their dumpsters and things. I mean, I know some stores actually do that. And it's it's possible that a lot of those things will change. But luckily, there are still lots of trees and plants around your neighborhood where you can legally or just ask your your neighbors if you can take from them. Like in the neighborhood I'm looking in right now, there's actually a banana tree, apparently. I don't know, again, how up to date this is, but you can go. And you know what? At the very least, you can go on a nice little walk around your neighborhood and just keep an eye out for plants that may have some free fruit or various other edibles on them. Like there's fig trees in this neighborhood. What are you finding in yours, Jason? Are you looking this up? Yeah, I'm zoom. I'm zooming in right now. Yeah, so there are some other websites. If we come across them before this episode goes up, we'll we'll put them in the show notes. And and if you find any, dear listener, you can comment on the show notes of this episode and let us know what are your favorite sources for things like foraging or sharing with your neighbor. I think that's a a really important 
conversation to have because the topic here is stress and anxiety and and with with our basic human needs being huge points of stress when we feel like we're not going to get our needs met or there's scarcity it can be incredibly stressful it can bring up lots of fears and anxiety and depression and if you can tap into the power of your local community you can not only get your needs met on a, a physical level, but you can also get your emotional needs met in a way that you might not have thought of before. Yeah. And I also just think that one major overarching issue, and this is related to stress and anxiety, and it's so interesting that we are all mm, sequestered and isolated at this moment that we're recording this episode. Whereas I think that, and Whitney and I, we've talked at length about how the usage of social media and digital technology can be a thing that brings us closer together, which I think right now we're experiencing with FaceTiming people and doing Zooms and doing Skype calls and, and keeping in touch with the people we love because we can't physically be around a lot of them. But I think it's also highlighting how necessary it is for our, our mental and physical health to be in community with each other. I mean, one, one of the biggest things that I miss right now is just the social bonding with other people with with groups of humans you know going out to have a great meal together and breaking bread or going to see a concert together or even just meeting with a few friends for a hike i think the thing i'm reflecting on in terms of mental health stress and anxiety is how the physical connection with community with with human beings is so essential for our health on so many levels like that's become so clear i mean it was always clear but it seems to have been magnified by this situation and this crisis even more so. Well, we take these things for granted very often. And I think that's one of the benefits of this time that we're in is that we get to reflect on things that we just took as normal. Like, oh yeah, of course I get to go to the movies. Of course we can go to dinner anytime. I mean, I was actually thinking about that today. There's one friend in particular who had been inviting me to go out to dinner and I just kept postponing it. Like, okay, well, I can do that anytime. This person lives nearby. I can see them anytime. And today I just realized, you know what? I don't know when I'm going to be able to see this person again, aside from going and waving at them, or, or maybe I could take a walk with them, but we have to stay six feet apart right now. And we're really not supposed to be interacting at all. And who knew that this was going to happen, right? We've, we haven't experienced this in our lifetimes and, and very few people have. And and it's just a good opportunity to go, you know what? We can't take any time for granted. We we need to actually be incredibly present to every moment that we get to experience with somebody. And and now I just feel so grateful every time my parents call me, even though I'm not actually seeing them. I just want to talk to them more than ever. And a lot of the times we don't learn these lessons until somebody passes away. So in a way, as long as we're all healthy, we should be feeling really grateful for this opportunity to reflect on our relationships and those dynamics. Yeah, I agree with that. And and I also think it's a wonderful opportunity to going back to this topic of of stress management and any attendant related emotions like anxiety or or at the root of it fear. You know, if you the listener are a type of person who feels comforted or soothed by physical contact, you know, it, we go back to the book The Five Love Languages, we'll link to that in the show notes and it's it's such a seminal thing in terms of how we like to receive love and for me, going back to the part where we talked about loneliness Whitney 
I think if I wasn't in a, a, a relationship right now, a new relationship and didn't have physical touch, it would be incredibly hard for me because um, I thrive on that. I feel comforted by it. I feel like it definitely decreases cortisol and adrenaline, all the stress hormones that can really, really lower our immunity and be so detrimental to our health. It's a good time to learn how to self-soothe in the sense of what techniques, what meditations, what um, somatic practices, somatic meaning how do we interact with the physical body and where we store emotion or trauma or fear? How do we learn tools to work with that? I think it's such an important time for people who are isolated and who do thrive on physical touch and don't have it. How do we learn these practices to reduce our own anxiety and our own fear when maybe we've relied on the physical connection with others to manage that before? Yes. And actually, there's some really good tips on that from the book, The Five Love Languages, and in the online resources that Dr. Gary Chapman includes on his website related to all of that. He actually had some tips for people who have their primary love language, as you do, of physical touch, right? And if you're not familiar with this book, it's it's one of those must-read books. We'll link to that in the show notes at wellevator.com. And the reason that this came up in the book or on his website, I forget if it's in both or either, but Dr. Chapman talks about how if you are in a long distance, if you are in a long distance relationship and you have this primary love language of physical touch, how do you get it? And he has all these ad- pieces of advice for for how to kind of create it within yourself. And as you're saying, Jason, self-soothe and give yourself the next best thing, basically, right? And it sounds really strange, but we certainly can touch ourselves in in, uh, intimate ways, but also just simple things like, you know, maybe it's going to get a massage, right? Now we might not be able to do that. So perhaps this is a good time to get one of those handheld massage devices, right? And and you can think about that <laughs> on a couple of different levels, right? We'll just, we'll leave it at that. But uh, yeah, I don't remember all the advice off the top of my head. So I, we'll link to the book and, and maybe one of the blog posts about how to get physical touch when you're in a long distance relationship, as some people may find themselves in that right now. I mean, if it depends how seriously you're taking the, the physical distancing. Some people may not be seeing their, their loved ones as a result, and they need to find other ways to connect with one another physically and emotionally. I think, you know, on a very simple, pragmatic level, one of the biggest things that I found so beneficial for, for self-soothing and calming myself in in moments of stress or anxiety is to identify for me, I've identified that I somatically carry stress in my body, mostly in my gut, my stomach area and my heart. And so for the listener, you know, if, if you can identify where uh, centers of concentrated stress or anxiety or fear, you can really, if you if you just close your eyes and start breathing and feel into it, you can generally feel that it's it's clustered or concentrated in different areas. And simply, you know, rubbing your hands together, getting your hands warm, and putting your hands on those areas of your body, closing your eyes, and just breathing really deeply is a very very simple soothing way to bring yourself back into a state of homeostasis and really start to alleviate that anxiety. Just putting your hand on where the stress or anxiety is, closing your eyes and breathing into that area is a wonderful way to do sort of a somatic releasing experience. It's like you are reading the article 
on Forbes.com because that was tip number two was to breathe from your abdomen. And it is such a powerful tool to reduce stress by just taking those deep breaths. And, and the author of this article said, when stress, when stress steals your breath, take a few deep uh, abdominal breaths through your nose. Hold it while you count to six, then purse your lips and exhale slowly through them. Your body can't maintain the same level of stress with the extra oxygen you get in your bloodstream when you breathe from your abdomen. It's a very well-written article. I wanted to finish up his tips about halting. We talked about being hungry, being angry, being lonely. And the fourth one is being tired. And I think this is actually a really important thing to focus on on right now. And it's really interesting because a lot of people feel like they don't get enough sleep because of their work. So they're leaving for work. They have to get up at a certain time. They don't get home. They've been at work all day, so they're tired. And then maybe they're lounging around watching TV or something, right? And that actually can exhaust you on a number of levels. One is that you're, you're literally not getting enough sleep. Many people aren't. Uh, they're, they're kept up by obligations at home, their family, or just needing to accomplish certain things. Maybe their job is having them work really long hours or work at home and that sort of thing. But some people are feeling so stressed out they can't even sleep and they're feeling so much anxiety they can't sleep. Some people don't prioritize exercise and exercise actually plays a big role in not only getting enough sleep, but rejuvenating your body, right? And it's fascinating right now at this time where people are self-isolating and physical distancing because a lot of people are not going to work. So we have this opportunity to to shift our, our schedules and our routines a little bit and allow ourselves time for naps or time to get more sleep. But on the other hand, if you are feeling more stress and anxiety, that actually might be getting in the way of getting a lot of rest. So are you tired? Is is being tired causing you stress? And is stress causing you to feel more tired? It can be this chicken or the egg type of scenario. Yeah, it becomes kind of like um, uh, Ouroboros, the snake eating its tail. Like, I'm stressed. I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm stressed. It, it becomes kind of this self-perpetuating mechanism. And I think, you know, the, the breathing techniques are one thing that I have certainly relied on. And also really paying attention to my nutrition. And I think there's there's a way to eat for better sleep, certainly. Um, you know, to go on a mini rant for a second, you know, things like taking magnesium every single day really helps to calm the central nervous system. Having things like tart cherry juice helps the body secrete more melatonin, which is one of the primary sleep neurotransmitters. Using blackout shades, using Whitney and I love uh, these Swanwick blue blocking glasses, unplugging your Wi-Fi before bedtime, you know, using a, a weighted blanket. You know, there, there's a lot of sleep hacks that we, we really, really believe in. But even with the sleep hacks, if you are, um, you know, really, really stressed out all the time, you can, I think, do probably all the, <laughs> all the sleep hacks in the world. But if you're stressed and anxious all the time, you know, it's not necessarily going to mitigate all of that cortisol and adrenaline that you're feeling all of the time. We could make this a very long episode on all different elements of stress and anxiety tips. And that's why we have a, a new PDF for you, which again, you can download. That'll be 
at wellevator.com, W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. We'll go further into depth about our personal experiences with anxiety and share some best practices that we've learned along the way. And I just wanted to bring up a few more things as we wrap up this episode. I really like this tip from that article uh, on the Forbes.com, which is uh, don't masturbate. What do you what? think that means? <laughs> well, it, okay. My initial is, it, hmm, it's kind of like when people say don't should on me. It's like the have tos or the shoulds or the musts. I've never, that is so create. That's so creative though. Don't masturbate. That's amazing. I have to say, I, I've become a fan of this Brian Robinson guy. I don't know his name or I'm not familiar with his work based on his name, but he is a really good writer and has lots of uh, good terms such as micro chill, micro chillers. Anyway, so masturbate is exactly, you're right, Jason. It is to remove words like must, should, ought, and have to from your self-talk. These self-imposed rules can feel oppressive and lead to pressure, frustration, and anxiety. So I think we're going to put our own version of this tip in, in our PDF because uh, that's that's really true. If you repl- replace those oppressive words with more empowering and compassionate language like I can or I want to or I plan to, you will experience less stress. And I'm a big advocate for that. As I said earlier, I'm really not a fan of words like busy or as we were talking about, even even words like angry. It, it's so much more effective to A, either find more positive words, empowering and compassionate language, as he said, but also to get very clear and specific with your words and not make them just fluff, right? I think another thing too is to be really mindful in times like the one we're in with this quarantine and and this pandemic that we don't succumb to the shoulds and ought tos and musts of... um, people telling us to make the most of this time. And Whitney and I have talked about this a little bit on social media. We've talked to it with one another. Um, But I certainly have been feeling and allowing myself to feel an inordinate amount of pressure to, you know, one of the, one one of the posts I saw the other day, I'm going off on a little bit of a tangent and I know we're going to wrap up soon, but um, that was like, Hey, you you know what? Uh, what resulted from the Black Plague was the Renaissance, because everyone was holed up writing these ama- amazing, you know, pieces of of artwork and theater and stuff. And I'm like, I I just have been feeling all of this pressure from outside sources of just like, yeah, you should like finish your album and do this thing and write a new comedy special and you know translate you know ancient Latin scripts. And I'm just like, I. It just feels like an offshoot, and I, I'm sure people have the best of intentions, but what you're saying, Whitney, with this article of the shoulds and ought tos and musts, it feels like a little bit of that is wrapped up in it. Hmm. Well, I, I am guilty as charged because I think I, I shared one of those posts. <laughs> so I perhaps added to you feeling some stress and pressure, Jason. And, and you know, it's always interesting when somebody gives you a different perspective. And it's also a great opportunity for us to be really compassionate for other people with what they share. Because, you know, I when I shared that post, and I don't, I don't know if this is the one that you were directly referring to, but I saw something like that and I was inspired by it. But I also can relate to what you're feeling because 
I too see posts about like, use this time to be more productive. And that's wonderful advice. I understand why people are saying that. Yes, we we shouldn't be sitting around talking about how bored we are, as some people are saying. Like, I know some of my friends are busier than ever. Or again, I don't I don't love that word busy. But, um, they are their schedules are are filled more than usual. Would be a a more true way of expressing that. And I certainly am not experiencing that actually. And I, sometimes I have these moments of comparison. You know, one of my friends is so hard to get in touch with right now. She is just working on something every single moment of the day. Here I am with a completely open schedule. The only thing really that I've been doing is podcasting, which is wonderful, but that only takes up a few hours a week. And then working on these projects, but I can do those whenever I want. Most of my days are wide open. And there have been moments where I've judged myself and thought like, gosh, like maybe I'm not being productive enough. But I I have to really examine my life. And it's so important for each of us to be tuned into our specific needs, our specific desires, our specific situations, right? And yesterday, for example, I was feeling so drained. Speaking of tired, right? I, I didn't know why I was tired. I'd gotten plenty of sleep. But something that I've experienced a lot over the past few weeks is this really bizarre, drained feeling. And the only thing I can really pinpoint it on is that it's an emotional reaction to what's going on. There are so many feelings coming up for me. And I'm reading a lot of people talking about stress and anxiety. That's exactly why Jason and I have been working on this anxiety project right now, that free PDF we've been referencing and a whole program we're developing about helping people with their anxiety. That is coming out of this struggle that we see so many people going through and that we're experiencing firsthand. And I'm so glad that you brought that up, Jason, because I think each of us just have to take things day by day. And pressure often stems from this muster bait <laughs> term that we're talking about right here is, is reacting to other people telling us what we should be doing. Whenever that comes up, it's an opportunity for us to step back and say, is this what's best for me? And is this person who's giving me that advice directing it to, to me or are they directing it to people in general, right? Because as coaches, what we found is a lot of advice out there that you can get for free is very generalized. But the best advice is coming when it's specifically for you. That is one of the reasons that we personally work with coaches. And that's a reason that Jason and I love to coach because we like to give strategic, customized advice for people based on what they're going through, what they're feeling. That works so much better than trying to take advice that's that's designed for everybody. It's like a one-size-fits-all approach. It might not fit you. <laughs> you may need to be told to rest right now. You may need to be told not to do anything. Maybe right now what's best for you is to read and to sleep and to have FaceTimes with friends. Maybe it's not best for you to be really productive. And also, you have to decide what productivity looks like for you. Yeah. And it, it is such an individualized thing. And and that's why these sweeping generalizations or, or advice on what people ought to do, um, people are on their own journey. We're all on our own individual journey. And um, I think that if we cultivate, I, I think if anything, 
if we use this time to cultivate more self-awareness and more presence, I do think that everyone could benefit from self-awareness and presence, myself included. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I think, I think yesterday I ignored uh, a little bit of self-awareness. I was finishing my taxes as an example. And my body was like, my body was like, "Mm, you ought to go rest me. And I was like, no, we have taxes to finish. And there is a price to be paid for ignoring your intuition. There's a price to be paid for ignoring your, your body's wisdom. And as a result, I'm pretty exhausted today. But my overarching thing, I think Whitney is, is in agreement with you that having a, a individualized approach to this and cultivating more self-awareness and presence in our bodies and our minds is a massive key to this. Absolutely. Well, as this episode comes to a close, we would love to continue the conversation with you. So we've referenced it several times, and I think it's actually incredibly important for this specific episode to hear from you. And you can get involved and share your own experiences, whether you're looking for more advice on your specific situation. We'd love to support you. We have a Facebook page, Facebook groups. We are developing this new program on anxiety. If that interests you at all, we would love to give you some free resources and extra support and share with you how else we can support you on a more customized basis. You can find all that information at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. And go into the podcast section to find the show notes for this episode. We'll link to that article, that wonderful Forbes article that I referenced, the fruit foraging website, all those things. And I also wanted to leave a few things that you can do to celebrate or to promote Stress Awareness Month and some prompts for you to comment. So in the show notes, there's a comment section at the bottom of the page, and we'd really love to hear from you there so that we can continue this conversation. So here's some things to think about. First of all, it's really important to talk about stress and the effects on you and to remove the stigma that's associated with stress. So please leave us a comment and let us know what have you been experiencing? What's been going on in your life? How does stress affect you? And what coping mechanisms work for you? You never know how that could benefit somebody else. That's why comments are so important. That's why groups and community, as we've talked about, are very important. We also want to remind you to be really nice to people who are talking about their stress and anxiety and and do your best not to judge them, whether that's in the comments section of, of some place online like our website or a Facebook page or something like that. But just in general, growing your awareness and having compassion for people is incredibly important. And everybody experiences life a little bit differently. Each of us communicate a little bit differently as, as we were just talking about with pressure. You know, you might share something on social media that somebody else interprets completely differently than how you meant it. So having that compassion and kindness for people can go such a long way. And to remember to continue to look after yourself and, and just continue to reflect on this, taking time out of your day to relax, to do things that you enjoy, to exercise, to eat well, to journal. I mean, writing down what you're experiencing and reflecting on that and how you can shift that for a more positive experience each and every day and each moment. Meditation is incredibly important right now. All of these things that you can integrate into your life, we talk about throughout every episode. So if you haven't listened to the other shows, we would love for you to check that out. Actually, one of the more recent episodes was Seven Steps to Feel More Bliss balance and badassery in your life. That's a two-part episode that just came out 
I think a week before this one. So if you go onto the show notes, you'll find all the other previous episodes. We talk about stress and anxiety and well-being tips. We really are trying to offer up as much as we possibly can for your life to help you suffer as little as possible. And if there's anything else that we can do, we would just love to hear from you privately or publicly. You can always reach us through the comment section, through social media. We're at Wellevator. You can direct message us and uh, you can also email us hello at wellevator.com. And also just briefly, uh, all the resources regarding nutraceuticals and supplements and sleep hacks and a lot of the products we mentioned uh, will be in the show notes for this episode. So if you want to get the blue blockers and the magnesium and all the things that Whitney and I take and use uh, for our uh, nutritional regime, we will also include those for your use. Yes. And we will be certain to, to put those in the anxiety PDF that we've been talking about too. We'll have a list of of uh, foods that really help us. In fact, Jason has a lot of expertise in his Good Mood Foods courses, which we can link to. You can still access that, right, Jason? Absolutely. Yeah. And in fact, um, Commune, who uh, I co-created that with, um, they, uh, on occasion, especially right now, and by the time this episode comes out, I don't know if it'll still be going, but offering a 14-day um, kind of free trial experience where you can, all of their courses, including Good Mood Food, uh, for free. Wonderful. And, you know, a lot of this information is also sprinkled throughout our offering. So we we encourage you to check out all the free resources at wellevator.com. We have several ebooks. We're working on meditations. We're just doing whatever we can to help you. If you sign up for the newsletter, which happens whenever you download one of these resources, you'll get emails from us keeping you posted on whatever we're creating for you. And and like I said, if you hit reply or you just create a new email and email us at hello at wellevator.com, we'd love to hear from you and figure out whatever we can do to help you feel less stress, less anxiety, and and just more joy and overall well-being in your life. We're so grateful for you listening to this episode, and we look forward to having you part of a future episode very soon. Until then, wishing you all the best. See you soon. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.